So Money episode 676, Issa Herrera, entrepreneur and founder of Pelvic Pain Relief. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Our guest today is Issa Herrera. Health is wealth, right? Many of you have New Year's resolutions to be healthier in 2018. So I thought to bring on a guest today who is an expert on particularly pelvic relief. Uh, it's a little sensitive, a little private of a topic sometimes. We don't talk about these, these issues uh, very openly, both as men and women, particularly as moms after having babies. This can be an area of tension and pain. But as Isa says, if your pelvis isn't healthy, your money can't be healthy. What's that correlation about? She explains. Isa is a licensed physical therapist. She's also an expert in women's health. She's the founder of pelvicpainrelief.com, which is an online educational portal. She also has a healing center here in the city. She is the author of five books on the topic of women's health. And she says that her passion for pelvic health was born from her own personal hardships after the birth of her first daughter, Ella. Issa also talks about the benefits of growing up poor, the childhood experiences that transformed her relationship with money and has benefited her as an entrepreneur and as someone who is very so money. Here is Issa Herrera. Issa Herrera, welcome to So Money, my friend. How are you? A happy new year. Thank you. I am super excited to be here today. Thank you so much for having me on. Love, yeah. love your podcast. Thank you. Well, I have to say, you know, it's been a long time coming. I, we've been running into each other quite often. We uh, had always so much to talk about, whether it's work or kids or school and just life in general. And um, I just like you. So I just wanted to have you on the show because also you, what you do, your work is very important. And it really hit home for me too, as somebody who has had two children, I'm a woman and I get everything you're talking about. And I think what you, your area of concentration is I'll have you explain it, but I, I sort of feel like it's the topic that nobody talks about, but really we all need this. And there's, I don't know, what would you say? There's like, it's like people probably come to you with like everything. everything. I have this issue and they whisper and oh. you're just being loud and proud about it. So tell us about first your work as a professional pelvic health expert and you have books and courses and you really are creating such a movement around this. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate those kind words. You know, they say when lightning strikes, you know, you either, you know, fall down with it or you get yourself up and you keep on walking, right? And um, after I had my daughter, I mean, all hell broke loose in my pelvis. And I tell everyone if I had had the most amazing, perfect birth, which, by the way, was magnificent, don't get me wrong, I still would have been like, you know, your PT at the Reebok Sports Club, which, you know, I worked there. And after the birth of my daughter, I was like, it was like the awakening, the awakening. And I yeah. knew that I wasn't the only person who had this issue. And, you know, when I was thinking about your podcast, I'm like, well, this time, how are we going to, you know, how's this going to work? Gonna transition? <laughs> 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 like, from pelvic thrusts to financial thrusts. 
But let me tell you something. If the pelvis is not working right, if women don't feel in their power completely and fully, if they don't feel totally in their game, it affects their finances 100%. It affects everything. And suddenly you're peeing. And you're at a meeting and you're trying to go through the whole meeting and your bladder is saying, I need to go pee. But believe it or not, I treat a lot of CEOs in New York City. And one of the reasons that drives them to me is that they can't sit through a meeting. You know, because wow. everything is so messed up in their pelvis. Wow. You're right. I mean, it not to downplay it, but, you know, being a woman is is complicated. It, it, it There are more layers of complexity to being a woman at work than there are. I mean, I'll just say it. Then there are probably being ma- a man. I mean, just physiologically, biologically, we are the ones who have to take time off from work to have the babies, which sets us back in terms of our profession, sometimes, often. Yes. And then when we're back at work, we're not 100%. And, and that impacts our ability to to rise at work and to do the work. Um, I'm really curious about this perspective that you have. So female CEOs coming to you because they are having pelvic issues and cannot work as a result of it. Absolutely. And the other thing that happens with me, I treat a lot of like super, you know, powerful individuals. And one of the other things that they come to see me is because they have so much stress and, you know, their coping mechanisms maybe are not what they should be for whatever reason. And this stress collects in their pelvis. And so they they sort of it like, sort of like shuts them down because they go to work. Maybe they've had a baby, maybe not. You know, some of the individuals I treat have no children, and they're sitting there and they're feeling like they're not connected because that first chakra, which is the money honey chakra, the creativity, right, is shut down. The money honey the chakra. The money honey chakra. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking, well, what are we going to talk about in this podcast? You know, and the complexities when you go back to work and then you have to sort of fake it. Everything is hunky-dory. Everything feels great. Oh, look at me. I'm so fabulous. I have one breast, one child on my breast and I'm doing the desk position. I treat a lot of lawyers. Right. You know, and it's, it's sort of unfair that we can't own that part of our um, being, you know, that we have to go out there and we have to pretend like, you know, we just, everything is, perfect and we're living in a man's world but no we're actually living in a woman's world (laughs) well we're also living in a world Issa where we put our bodies last you know we I think it was Ariana Huffington who's like we are more focused on recharging our cell phones than recharging our bodies and and to her point like we're not getting enough sleep but to your point we're not really fixing our bodies appropriately either because we feel we don't have the time or we don't think it's as important as other things. We're not prioritizing it. And also, this is a very private matter. Um, you know, who do you turn to? If you know Isa, that's one person. But in general, like where, where can people go for support? Absolutely. I mean, the first person that, that most women should talk to, but the thing is that most doctors don't even know about this topic or they're mostly concerned about, you know, what kind of birth control you're going to be on, et cetera. Um, it's really at that visit with your MD after you have a baby or at your yearly checkup. The problem is that even the doctors are not talking. Everything is so hush-hush. There's so much shame around it. You know, we don't want to tell people that when we cough, sneeze, and laugh, we're leaking ourselves or that our sexual function is not what they should be or that we can't run after our kids or our grandchildren, you know. And so I feel like 
this conversation has to start really early on with the MD, if possible. But if not, there's organizations like my organization. And, you know, we have the Internet now, you know, so women can really just research almost anything. And not that it's always accurate because most of the information is is not accurate. But women can really start to talk to other women about it instead of going to a, a group or having a mastermind and everything is perfect. And listen, when people see me, they're like, yeah, I won't talk to her, you know? <laughs> like, well, I have been in mom groups. I mean, I have been at birthday parties and a couple of mom, few moms will get together and they'll be like, so um, do you, can you like, we'll talk, we'll talk about everything about some, believe it or not. And Things, things like things like bladder and pelvic pain will come up and believe it or not again these are women who work in New York City they have great jobs they, they run their households and they feel like they don't have resources they're like my doctor is just trying to hook me up with this really expensive PT or I have to do all these abs or I have to get this surgery um, tell us about your approach to this I mean I know that it's multifaceted but maybe if you could bust some myths even for us out there just to get us to to really see some of the possibilities I think one of the main myths that I want to bust is that you have to look external to yourself for your own healing so you have to put the your power into someone else's hands and I don't believe that's true I'm a true believer in partnership healthcare. I'm a believer that if you come to me, I tell you what to do and it is up to you to do it, you know, and to, and it's the, the proper, of course, information. But, you know, I think sometimes so many, you know, we want a quick fix, you know, we, we're sometimes into the quick fix mindset and, and we'll take a med that a doctor recommends or we'll take some kind of, we will do a surgery that's definitely not going to work. I'm going to tell you that right now. And we forget that really intuitively we know what our bodies need, you know. So for me, it's kind of like, well, how can I awaken the doctor within you and how can I give you the information that you need so then you can then carry on these exercises? It's not, it's not like rocket scientists. It's not so complicated, you know. It's simple work. It just has to get but done. But it's work and it's consistent work. and. hmm Find a busy mom out there. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> she can have one more thing to her schedule. We well, always put ourselves last. Can we talk about that? Women put, we put ourselves last, which is why we are the most amazing creatures on the planet because we put everyone else first and every other thing first. But how do you prioritize yourself? I think one of the things that we have to remember as women, and this is one of my big um, sort of, how do I say, my values is that we are the spears of our families. And if we're not in our game and we're not 100%, um, then it's going to trickle down to our children and our families. And so for me, I make it, I make it simple, you know, couple it with something you do every day. You know, like if I, if I know people watching TV, I'm like, girl, if you got time to watch TV, you have time to work on your body. Do it at the same time. If you're mm-hmm. checking, if you're on Facebook more than you should be, and I actually do a whole analysis of people's behaviors because I know they tell me they have no time, but actually they're just not using their time properly. So I do a lot of like, well, if you check your emails, I want you to do this exercise and this stretch. If you are cooking, then I want you to do this. If you are, you know, waiting at a meeting, I want you to do these three things to maybe charge yourself up so you feel more confident. So for me, it's not so much about stopping your life, but how do you incorporate the exercises into your life so that you are more successful in all aspects of your body, you know, your body, your spirit, your soul, the whole thing, you know? Well, if you are on Facebook, be sure to be watching Issa at her next Facebook live stream. (laughs) That's one way to marry two activities into one. 
you, when I met you, Isa, you had talked about how you left this very successful Manhattan practice. I don't remember if it was burnout or you just felt like you had done everything you could do possibly in that approach of doing your business. And now you're very much more independent, doing online courses, being more scaling, really. I mean, because you can only see so many patients when you have a physical brick and mortar clinic. But let's talk about your own personal journey or transition to finding, you know, financial harmony in your life, career harmony. Um, are you happier these days? I think you are. Oh, 100%. Listen, I was running a very lucrative practice on Madison Avenue for over a decade. I had a huge staff. And, you know, they say that sometimes, you know, lightning strikes you once and you might learn. But when it strikes you a second time, you better wake up. And I got... You got to move. <laughs> you got to move. And I was going to work and I had this feeling inside. But, you know, we're taught, especially like if you're a CEO, just bury it. Go on, keep moving, keep doing what it is that you have to do. So many people rely on you. You you know, you have a huge staff. You have a very, you know, busy, successful practice. Why would you ever want to give that up? Why would you ever want to start over again? And I knew that I wanted to bring my message to a more global audience. I wanted to reach you know, the millions. I didn't, I want, I always wanted to do something. Ever since I was a child, I knew that my mission was always to work with women. I knew that when I was three years old, I knew I was going to be a doctor. I actually went to medical school. That didn't work out. I didn't like it. But long story short, you know, I had this feeling and then I got ill and then I hurt my shoulder. And I went to work one day and I'm like, I'm done. I said, I'm going to pivot. And what happened? What kind of a day was that? It was a very crazy day. Everybody around me was really nervous. Everybody thought that I had lost my mind. You know, when you make a decision, all of a sudden, everybody's like, what are you doing? You're not feeling well. Maybe you need to go home. No, I said, no, I'm feeling very well. I'm feeling extremely well, you know? And I sat everybody down and I said, I'm going to give you X number of days to, you know, like three months, four months. I didn't do it right away. And my lease was up. So I knew that, I, that it was like, you know, all the signs were there for the change. But sometimes as women, we're so afraid. You know, we do this, we stay on the status quo. If you're making a lot of money, sometimes that's called the golden handcuffs. And I definitely had those handcuffs, you know, and that day was very weird. I think everybody was really nervous. And I think everybody thought that I had just lost my mind, including my mother, my family, because a lot of, you know, I had people who rely on me for financial support, you know, so that was going to change. And that was it. And then I just said, and then I just gave them time and I did it the right way. I made sure everybody had a job. I was very humane about it. I didn't want to go in there and be so corporate and say, okay, we're closed down, lock it up. And even my coach was like, just lock it down. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. Interesting. People thought you'd lost your mind, but you had actually found your sanity. Yeah, I did. And so, uh, the clouds parted. You realize I, I, the, first of all, the, this can, this pace cannot continue because you were probably feeling it physically. Oh, absolutely. And, and now you, so tell us a little bit about take, fast forward us. Tell us where you are today. I want you to brag a little bit about some of the ways that you're reaching out to people and making an impact. And then I want to talk about money because I know you're a mom. You are very 
strong-willed. I'm really, you've known you wanted to be a doctor since you were three. I mean, you're an interesting person. And so I want to know where your financial beliefs lay, lie. And then uh, you talk more about kind of the, the, the money mindsets that you have. But tell us about your course, your book, all of it. Well, um, my book, um, Female Pelvic Alchemy, was just blacklisted by Amazon, which I Why? think because exactly. Um, it, because <clears throat> I have no idea, because maybe the word energizing your sex life, <clears throat> loving your lady parts. So they, it's very difficult to get, but you can still get it. You have to uh, allow a dull cookie. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to bring healing into every woman's home. You know, like I want to be part of like, you know, part of the, 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 the part of what's happening in the world, especially with all the Me Too that's going on. And I thought this okay, time. Can I just interrupt more. you? Because ending male pelvic pain is on Amazon. Yeah, but that one they didn't um, blacklist. Oh, but that's you. <clears throat> that's okay, me, never that's mind. <laughs> I have five books. And yeah, but still, they didn't blacklist that because it's no, from the guy. Exactly. So anyway, I'm still working with my publisher on how we're going to fix that. But I see it now. Female Pelvic <clears throat> Alchemy, I actually see it when I Google your last name. Oh, you in, see in, it. In Amazon. Maybe. I'm not sure why you're seeing it. Usually you have to allow a, an adult cookie to maybe see Maybe I it. have an adult cookie. Maybe, maybe you I'm probably just, do. Maybe I have a dirty computer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all do. Now we do. If you want my book, you have a have dirty-minded I don't know. <clears throat> so, you know, when I realized how many women actually needed the work, I mean, there's 30 million women suffering in the U.S. alone with pelvic dysfunction. 50% of women have incontinence. Another 49 have pelvic organ prolapse. And th this is a lot of women out there. And I was like, you know what? I want to do something where I can empower them. At least they can have the proper conversation you know, because they'll have the information that they need if they're going to seek additional care. So I, it took me two years. I don't know what the hell I was doing, but I said, I'm going to create an online program because that's the way to reach a lot of women. So I created my online program. And then once I started doing my online program, the women were telling me they needed more physical therapists and MDs to do the work. I'm like, oh, wow. So then I created a professional um sort of pillar. So I have two pillars, one for the women and one for the professionals, because I feel that a lot of professionals, um, they need to know about this work. Even if they're not doing the work, they should be able to advise their patients and their clients on where to get the right advice and where to go. So I created these two pillars. And in the beginning, I tell you, I had no idea what the hell I was doing, you know, but mm -hmm. sometimes they say the ignorant is bliss, right? Because you just take a chance. You just go for it. But, you know, online, online um, entrepreneurship is actually very difficult. You know, it takes a lot of working at it and getting the messaging right and getting the branding right. And so now I feel like everything is all, all the ducks, all the what they call the ducks or something. All, everything's in order. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to the last person on earth you want to confirm idioms with. I'm <laughs> it is I'm famously terrible at idioms. I think it's. Ducks in a row. I but think it's ducks in a row too, yeah. I'll let my listeners weigh in, but I'm the worst. My <clears throat> husband actually loves to make fun of me about it because uh, he needs something to make fun of me with. Yeah, I mean, I'm, otherwise I'm, I'm like totally perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> no, but uh, yes, it's getting your ducks in a row. That I know because I use it a lot. The yeah. one I know. 
So two years um, to get that those ducks in a row. Yeah. So I believe if you have access to Amazon, you should be able to access female pelvic alchemy. Uh, you can uh, get it now. It's on paperback. And your course, is it um, is it an evergreen course? Can anyone just jump on and take it? Well, eventually, yeah, eventually there will be. Um, but for this course, what I love, what really jazzes me up, and, and, you know, I do it as much for me as I do it for the women. I love to have the mastery part where I get them all in a classroom and I'm doing these educational um, forms with them. So the one that's opening in January is the mastery where you have access to me and, you know, to any questions you may have. So that's the mastery program. So that is completely you know, you do the work and then we get together. So I love that. And then after that, I probably go a little bit more evergreen because people need it when they need it. They can't wait for ESA to open up enrollment. You know, if you have an issue, you need to, you know, solve it right there and then. That's yeah. one of the things that I learned, you know, in the course of, of this. You're not going to be like, oh, in six months, I might need this, right? You, you need it when you need it. You need it. it when you need it. And so now um, the big... Um, launch is happening in January and I'm super excited and I started the the process and I, I'm just going to hold because I know that this messaging right now more than ever is needed and this class now more than ever is needed and women are just going to feel so completely and fully um, alive and connected and vibrant and that's that's my that's what I want to bring out there to the world I, I feel like the, it's so important for women to really feel this power, you know, because it trickles down to everything. And sometimes everything is so perfect, but we're not talking about what's happening in our pelvises because of whatever shame or guilt or because we put ourselves last. But I'm here to say that those days are over, that right now what's needed in the world is for women to come up and to put themselves first on their own list. Yeah, if there's if there's no other, uh, if you're trying to come up with a 2018 uh, resolution, let that at least be it. You know, to just uh, put yourself first for a change. So, Isa, tell me about how you go about thinking about money. You know, what's your money mindset? Do you have like maybe a money mantra or financial? Um, My money mantra is. Um, Make half, spend half, which is probably not great, but it's my money mantra is one thing. I, I like to live in a mindset of abundance and I feel that whatever kind of money you're making, if that's what really you resonate with and you drive, you know, some, sometimes what I want to make is not what somebody else wants to make. Right. So I think we have to, I, what I advise my patients and believe it or not, I do advice on this is kind of like, well, what is it? What, it, what makes you comfortable? What is it that you're striving for? You know, where do you want to be with your money situation? So I find that people say, well, I can't afford to come and see you. I'm like, well, yes, you can. You just decided that you didn't want to put your money in this area. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm like, my money mindset is that there's enough, that there's abundance and that we focus on the abundance. And of course, you have to have a really good financial, you know, broker, which I do and an accountant, which I do. And, and, and I do a budget, you know, where I try to, um, stick with my budget. And if I'm not making what I'm making that month, I don't panic. I don't, you know, take the kid out of private school, though I probably should. <laughs> Why don't you panic? Because you know that because the I, world is abundant. You'll have the money next month. Yeah, because I know 
that I have never lacked. I mean, I grew up very, very poor, extremely poor. You know, I when I was in the fourth grade, this is when I knew that I was always going to make my own way. Um, I wanted to go to a trip to the Liberty Bell. And my mom said it was the fourth grade graduation. And she goes, you can't go because we can't afford it. And I can't. And, you know, it was between feeding my kid, my brothers and sisters or sending me to this trip. And she told me no. And I'm like, no way in hell am I ever going to let money stop me from achieving my dreams. Mm -hmm. And I went and I collected, I saw somebody collecting cans. And I told my mom, what is, what is that person doing? And she goes, they're collecting cans and then they're going to bring them in and they're going to get money for that. So I collected cans for like four months and I got the money. Oh. To go on this Were you trip. from the Philly area? No, from Brooklyn. God, it's Brooklyn. Poverty oh, here. You, Brooklyn too, you know. Liberty Bell. Isn't that in Philadelphia? Yeah, it is, but that was the school trip and you had to pay for mm-hmm. the bus. You had to pay to stay there. It was a yeah. big expense. It wasn't like... You made it and you were in fourth grade. Yeah. And that's when I knew that, you know, if you set your mind to it and you want something, you have to go out there. You have to hustle. You want good health. You have to put the time in. Sometimes you have to put the money in to work with the top person, but you have to make that effort. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine. But at least you put that effort out there and it doesn't have to be perfect effort. It just has to be effort. It has to be something that, that, you know, at the end of the day that you did the great thing that you went to sleep and you're satisfied with what it was that you accomplished that day. So to me, you know, I want to go to bed and I want to feel like I did something to propel my my message of female healing forward mm-hmm. and, you know, for my family too. I mean, so that answers the other question that I had, which was what was an experience in your childhood that impacted your adult view on money? And I think that captures it really well. You know, you wanting to go to that field trip and making the money on your own. What did your mom say when you, uh, when you made the money? Was she, oh, she you have was, a conversation she, around it? Oh, she was so proud. And, you know, she felt really bad. You know, I can tell she felt bad. And I was like, don't worry, Ma, this is going to work out. It's going to work out. And I'm giving my, you know, my mom a healing in the eighth grade or what I mean, the, when I was eight. And she was like, this is what it means when you want something, how you have to go out there and get it. And she always stressed that education was the way out for Mm -hmm. people who grew up like me in the ghetto with, with no money, with, you know, with nothing, with nothing. And she always said, make sure that you finish school. And I was the first one to graduate high school in my family. And I was the first one to go to college. And then after me, it was just like a trickle. My nephews all started going to college. My sister went to college. Everybody was graduating because sometimes, you know, they have to see that there's the possibility of something different for their lives. And I'm not saying that, that I was the one that did that, but I knew that I was the oldest and I knew that I needed to, I, I just didn't want to live that way. I didn't, I wanted to get out of there as soon as I could. And education was the way, 100%. 100%. Some people, sometimes people ask me, you know, when you do these interviews and you interview all these people, does it, is there a correlation between those who are very successful today and the fact that maybe they grew up with below average means or grew up in poverty? Um, are you grateful for the 
adversity, the financial adversity that you have had as a child? Or do you kind of sometimes think that it could have been better and you could have benefited more from that? No, I never look back and regret because it serves no purpose. It really doesn't. What I realized was, thank God that I had that experience because it shaped me into the person that I was. It shaped my family. You know, we're all like really professionals and we're all like, you know, out there making our, our lives. And for me, when I thought about being, I was, you know, sometimes it was embarrassing, you know, when you didn't have the right designer shoes and the little t-shirts, you know, with the little logos on it. But when I look back at it now, I'm actually really grateful for it because it shaped me into thinking that there is the possibility of everything. Mm-hmm. That life is really open, you know, and then you're the only one that can really mess yourself up. You know? Who taught you that? I think maybe my mom taught me that. I would say she taught me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, she pushed me to the brink of exhaustion. You know, she's <laughs> like, she's, yeah, she did. She's like, you work for it. Oh, I worked for that like you wouldn't believe. And then she says, you're going to go to medical school. And so I followed her dream, you know, and then I got to medical school and I was there and I'm like, I don't even like this. I don't even want to do this. So many people do that. I think we get pushed into corners and tracks and journeys, like especially when it comes to school that we like, wow, why am I in law school? Mm -hmm. Because my mom really wanted me to become a lawyer. Well, that's great, but. There are other ways to find happiness in life. Yeah, but we all want to please our mamas. I know. <laughs> you know? I, know. Oh, I want to write a book. Actually, I'm so I want to write a book. I think that's something like, you know, women, money, and our mothers, or something like oh, that. You because I do think, it. you know, there's just so it all goes back to mom, you know, or or your mom equivalent, or maybe it's your dad, or maybe it's like so, there's there is someone in your life that you've always wanted to please. And it's been really difficult sometimes to earn that appreciation and that, and that, you know, that recognition. And so that informs and reflects upon all the other decisions that you make. It's very intertwined. Um, anyway, just my random musing of the day, but no, 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 I think you should do it. Near you, I think, and I don't know, the 21st century. I think sometimes. it would be amazing. You should do it. Because it's such an important topic, you know, when you think about how your finances are actually um, influenced and who influenced them. And I'm very careful with my daughter about the kind of mindset that I set forth about money, you know, because I don't want her growing up like she has more. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, I just talked to uh, Lauren Slayton, who is a nutritionist on this podcast before the end of the year, and she has two children in New York City. And I'm always fascinated by parents. I'm a parent now in New York City. They're very young. They haven't yet to be uh, influenced by, you know, other people's Mm -hmm. economic lives. But um, how do you raise grounded children in New York City? Well, one of the main things is that they have to earn their keep in a way. You have to go back to sort of like, yes, you want that product, you want that thing. Then let's do some chores around the house. You know, let me, um, you do this chore and you'll get this. And then sometimes I have to say, you know, this is something that even if I can afford it, I just tell them, no, this is something that it's not a value for you right now. Why, why do you, why is it that you feel that you need this particular product? Like she wants this Korean skincare. It's like 200 bucks. I mean, yeah, it's not a lot of money. 
I know it's yeah, well for some people, but but and I looked at her. I'm like, what what is it about this skincare? And then I go deep into what it is that she actually is searching for, and what's making her uncomfortable because money is just a unit of choice. Right? Is she trying to? feel more beautiful or yeah. get more confidence. And there are other ways to achieve that than yeah. applying, you know, applying something to your face, right? To your face. Right. We've all been there though. Yeah. It's hard. It's really hard. And so I looked at her Christmas list and that thing is on the top of her list and I am really torn. I'm really torn. Well, at least it's not like, you know, makeup. I mean, she's young still, yeah, but yeah, she's young, you know, it's true. Some, you know, get her some nice SPF. Get her on a good practice, a good habit of like, you know, good skincare. You know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with having good skincare regimen. Maybe it's not the Korean line of products. Those are very, those are good. But, you know, maybe start her off on something, I don't know, more age appropriate. I don't know. I do. What I do is like, I do like, I love essential oils for skincare. Mm -hmm. So I said, let's do something like if you can eat it, you should put it on your skin. If you can't yeah, eat it. have a spa day with you and your daughter. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a great way to introduce some things to her. Totally. I already hooked her up with a spa day. She just doesn't know it. But that, every, ooh, yeah, okay. yeah, every day she's hang, She's like, I, that. she goes to the Korean spa thing. I'm like, oh, man. I you know, there's some popular girl in school yeah. who's been talking about her Korean skincare regimen. And it's like everybody else wants to do it now. I know. I, you know, we, we all pray to that. Um, so to tell me about your so money moment, Isa, I would suspect it was some, I would love to hear like after you left your practice and started working independently and doing more focus, work, fo- focused work on creating courses, books, et cetera. Uh, what was the so money moment for you? The so money moment. I think the so money moment for me was when I realized that it wasn't, things are never going to be the same. You know, it's not going to be 100% perfect that it's going to take a little bit more work. Sometimes I thought, what, what did I just do? Why did I do that? You know, I had the practice, I had the money, I had the prestige, I had it all to go and change to do something completely different at my age, which, you know, I'm not a young chicken. And so for me, that moment was, it was a moment like it's done, move forward. And this is what you've always wanted. And sometimes when we're closest to what we want, we do things to sabotage ourselves. Yes. You know? Oh my gosh. Ah, I got goosebumps as you said that. Yeah. Yeah. You, and the thing is, and there I am getting what it is that I want and then feeling like, well, am I worthy? You know, and you get these things and you start to think all this nonsense in your brain. But yeah, we are worthy of it. We are. And 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 the thing is, and things are different. And so what? So we need to embrace the difference, you know. And sometimes, you know, I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm not making my big dollars. You know, things are a little bit different, but I am so much happier. And you can't put a price on that. Maybe a good litmus test for whether you should pursue something in foreign territory is how scared are you? How much do you feel like you want to throw up? If it's a lot, then you probably should do it. Yeah. And I felt like every day I wake up and I feel like throwing up. <laughs> well, then you know it's a right move. Totally, totally. And it's... it's- Issa, let's do some so many fill in the blanks. And also okay, my son do. just walked in and he's playing. Oh, Hi, that's Evan. wonderful. Hi. Hi. 
Come on, say hi to Issa. He's become more of a recurring guest on the show. Pop. Oh, I love it. Say hi, Evan. Hi, Evan. How are you? How was your day? Good. Yeah. He's three years old. Um, he gets home at 3.30, so sometimes I do podcasts at 3, and here we are, Mr. Evan. Oh, so join us, please. Hang out with us. You're not Mr. Evan? <laughs> sorry, who are you then? Evan. Just Evan. Okay. Evan. All right. You sorry about that. Well, um, let's do some so many fill in the blanks with Isa. Okay, so fill in the blank. If I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is I would buy each person in my house, every every one of my brothers and sisters, and my mom a house. Yes, I I'm with you on that. I I'm I I dream about houses. I go Me to too. open houses yeah. for fun. I I'm always reading about listings. I just like to learn. And Me too. Imagine. I love real estate. All right. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is how to save better, how to plan better about stocks and bonds and stuff like that. I didn't learn that till I was like forty. You know? Yeah, well, you knew how to make it. That's for sure. I knew how to make it, but I didn't know how to invest it, how to prepare for retirement, those kind of So I wish I knew, I have known that early on, like in my 20s or teens. How about this? I made something for Ella. You made something for Isa? <gasps> I mean, he just drew you a paint. He just drew you something. Oh, you can't see it, but. Oh, please send me a picture As of you it. were talking. How wonderful. Yes. He's inspired. I'll take a picture of it and send it to her, okay? Thank you, Evan. Thank you, Thank you, Evan. All right. One thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is massages. <laughs> and yes, <laughs> I'm into, you have a go to masseuse. Yeah, I have a go to masseuse. I have several. And I feel like self care <laughs> is one thing that I don't cheap out on self care, man. You know, good for you. Good for you. When I donate, I like to give to blank because. I like to give to women's organizations and I do like, she's the first, actually. She was on my show. Yes. Uh, her name escapes me, but she was on my, on my show. <coughs> oh, I'll look it up. Maybe. You know, but I do like, I, I do like, uh, I do like donating to women's organizations to propel them, you know, just to, to empower women. And I feel like education is the way. So I like, she's the first and I've aligned myself with that organization. And last but not least, I'm Isa Herrera. I'm so money because... I'm so money because I treat the money honey chakra. The money honey chakra. You need to trademark that or something. That I, just is, came, I just came up with that. You did? Yeah. Well, I'll only take 10%. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> the money honey chakra. Well, did we define it yet? What is the money, honey chakra? The first chakra is the pelvic floor, uh, the most important muscles in the female body. And they're, they're the relay station between the upper and the lower extremity. They have so many different functions. But one of the functions on the energetic level is how safe and creative we are in the world. And sometimes when that chakra is not doing well, women feel out of sorts. And when you're feeling out of sorts, you're not going to go out there and make as much money as you can because you're just not feeling in your power. So to me is if we restore the energetics and we restore those muscles, women feel more completely integrated. And when you have an integrated woman who's in her game and in her power, she's unstoppable. I love that. Thank you so much, Isa Herrera, for helping us find our money, honey, chakra. Uh, wishing you a phenomenal new year. And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Happy new year to you too. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Isa for coming on the show. Her website is pelvicpainrelief.com. She's also on Twitter at Isa Pelvic Healer. 
To get any of this, if you missed it, go to somoneypodcast.com. You can grab the audio as well as the transcript. And while you're there, click on Ask Farnoosh and leave me a question. Also, let me know you want to maybe co-host the Friday episodes. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money. Money.